0: Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher and paranormal prophylactic potion maker, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert and mystical hotspot, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Angel, Season 3, Episodes 13 and 14, Waiting in the Wings, which is a Watcher, and Couplet, which is a Skipper. We don't want to lose our virginity, so let's raise the stakes.
1: In Waiting in the Wings, the team at Angel Investigations takes the night off to go see Giselle, performed by a ballet company that Angel first saw over a hundred years ago. Wesley moons over Fred, and Cordelia encourages both of them to make their move, although without realizing that Fred's talking about Gunn, who also has a thing for Fred. Angel's in love with Cordy, and Lauren encourages him as well, and as they all head out, the romantic potential runs high. While watching the ballet, Angel realizes that these are the same dancers from last time and he and Cordy go backstage and get caught in a time warp where they are taken over by the ghosts of the prima ballerina and her lover who are afraid of the evil Count Kurskoff. Angel and Cordy have sex and then are attacked by Kurskoff's goons. Fred, Wesley, and Gunn go looking for Angel and Cordy and get attacked as well, and Gunn gets injured. While Fred is tending to Gunn's wounds, they kiss and Wesley sees them. Angel and Cordy fight with the rest of the team and then Angel goes to find Kurskoff. In the wings, he talks to the ballerina who is caught dancing this dance over and over again for Kurskoff as his prisoner. Angel finds Kurskoff and destroys his source of power and the dancers fade away. Back at the hotel, Angel's about to tell Cordy he loves her when Gru shows up and ruins everything.
0: Waiting in the Wings aired on February 4th, 2002. It was directed and written by Joss Whedon. All right. So, Kelly, on the perfect happiness scale,
1: <laughs> where are you with Waiting in the Wings?
0: Okay. So, I gave this a five. All right. And I am fine with taking heat for this because my critical analysis is at war with my true pH scale here (laughs) because I love this episode. Oh, good. It's one of my top 10 favorites of the whole run of Angel. Mm -hmm. It always has been. And this time watching it, I found many things to stake, right? (laughs) It doesn't advance the overall story. It has nothing to do with the main plot. It's a messy disaster of love triangles. There's magical sexual whammy with questionable consent. Gru shows up at the worst possible time. And it's a case of like, love what you love. That makes me worry about my story (laughs) attraction. (laughs) (laughs) And the why of why I love this. Because I Mm -hmm. love ballet. And I love summer glow. And I love time warp stories. But this is a problematic Whedon episode. And the romance is a mess. And I feel like I should know better. Like... (laughs) I should not love this. And the push-pull of clarity and enjoyment here makes me uncomfortable. But I would watch this over and over and over and over again. Oh, no. I think it's
1: wonderful that you love it. And you should love it. If you enjoy it, then you should just go ahead and enjoy it.
0: There's no
1: reason why you shouldn't. Oh, I have a huge list of reasons why I should No, because you love what you love. And if it speaks to you. And
0: there is stuff in here that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing that you were not a five. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no.
1: I, I came down. I'm about a three with this uh-huh. episode. There's a lot of stuff to love. But the stuff that I really don't like is I, I dislike it so much that it kind of ruins the good stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode feels really forced and awkward to me. I mean, romance stories are best told on a slow simmer in the subtext. And this is so forced it's like sex without foreplay or a loofah which we're gonna discuss later because ow And then we've got these dumb misunderstandings, Cordy's complete cluelessness, I mean, come on, she's smarter than that, and this possessive entitlement for both Wesley and Gunn to Fred's affections, Um, all of it I find really irritating, but that said, like, the actual monster-slash-ghost story is really good, and I Mm -hmm. like Angel and Cordelia being taken over by the ghosts, I mean, of course, this isn't Angel's first rodeo with that particular experience, but Overall, this is awkward and reliant on flat jokes for the humor, and I just don't care for it. I mean, I'm really disappointed that this was written by Joss Whedon, but he's really not at his best when he's telling stories that touch anywhere near male entitlement to women.
0: Yes, I agree with that completely.
1: Yeah. So um, I have a few moments of perfect happiness, however. Okay. And Wesley... Wesley, my darling, darling Wesley is absolutely one of the way we open up with this great scene with Cordy and Wes, you know, and Mm -hmm. he's talking about how he feels about Fred and it's really sweet. And then when he says, am I very boring on the subject? And it's just, oh, God, it's so incredibly sweet. And I'm like, yeah, you are a little boring on the topic. (laughs) Loving Fred doesn't make you dark, Wesley. And I like my Wesley dark. (laughs) And then we have this stuff from Cordy, right, where she's like, I was the ditziest bitch in Sunnydale. I could have had any man I wanted. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, (laughs) there's this uh, there's this um, podcast called Love It or Leave It, right, where Mm -hmm. they play like it's a a political podcast with John Lovett and he's very funny. And they do this thing where they play like, you know, some kind of video clip from something. And then whenever anybody on the panel has something to say about it, they go, "Okay, stop. (laughs) (laughs) so in the middle of this line i'm gonna say okay stop because men only want stupid women i was the ditziest bitch in sunnydale i could have had any man i wanted you know men want stupid women um is basically i think what she's saying there and that's a little disturbing and then she goes into now i'm a superhero and the only action i can get is an invisible ghost who's good with the loofah okay stop um (laughs) Because that must have been written by a man. And of course it was. It was written by Joss Whedon because I'm not sure that there is anything sexual you could do with a loofah that would actually feel good. That shit is rough. (laughs) So um, either, either there's something, there's a particular kind of loofah. I mean, is it that he thought that a loofah was like a, a soft
0: sponge? I think if you've not used a loofah, you can be as confused as you might be if you also don't know your way around a clitoris. And yes. I, <laughs> but this might be one of my favorite Lonnie statements of all time. <laughs> Do not come at me with a loofah.
1: Do not come at me with a loofah. <laughs> it seems like the kind of thing that I shouldn't have to say, but on my next date, I'm going to make that clear. I'm going to be like, okay, no loofahs. Just saying. So, um <laughs> Yeah, that's not okay. And then my favorite thing, getting back to how much I love Wesley, Mm
0: -hmm. is
1: that Cordelia says this out loud and then gives him that look like, oh, man, did I just say that out loud? (laughs) And Wesley goes, I'm sorry, I missed that last part. Yeah. <laughs> and just like with the clear intention of I missed it, I didn't hear it, and nothing happened. You know, not that I want you to repeat it because I want to give you a hard time. It was so incredibly sweet. And he's, I was like, oh, Wyndham Price, you are always the gentleman. And I loved that. I loved <laughs> that. Um, and then we have Wesley, like later on, there's this really annoying possessive stuff that i'm going to get into with the uh with the stake this segment um but wesley is rushing back in after he kills the guys he finds gun and fred kissing and we see this sad look on his face then we get this hint of him being taken over by count kurskoth who of course was mad with jealousy and did really really terrible things and then i'm like Oh my God, you know, we're going to see Wesley do a bad thing again because, like, remember the end of Billy? He was taken over and he was really, really awful. And that was so hard for him, you know? Yeah. Um, but then when he comes back in to join the rest of the group, he explains what happened. And then when they look at him, he says, I hit a hot spot too, but he was able to get out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So then there's this point where they're all fighting and he looks at Fred and Gunn. And he says, You two. And they says, Stay close together right which is so incredibly sweet and then Cordy says I hope you're in the killing mood and he says I should do all right (laughs) (laughs) which I love and it's just oh poor Wesley and then at the end you know we get Fred that's a surprise I thought for sure she was meant to be with Angel I guess you never can predict these things and Wesley says no I guess you never can And it's just it's so sad. And I feel so bad for him. But he's he's being in this episode, we'll talk about couplet later. But in this episode, he's he's respecting that this is her choice. And this is what she wants. And he's sad about it. But he's not being a dick about it you know which honestly should be the expectation you don't get a cookie for not being a dick but at the same time like given the way that that we have so much male entitlement to women in this episode it's like a big theme in this episode sometimes textually like called out you Mm -hmm. know as a bad thing sometimes not you know i wasn't entirely i didn't entirely trust that we wouldn't get a dickish wesley you know for the conflict of it without really acknowledging that he has no right to fred You know, Um, so all of that. I love Wesley. I love Wesley in this episode. I think that he's fantastic. I love when he's just like, I'm sorry I missed that part. So sweet. And it just, was so sweet. I just adore him. Um, I also really love this whole conceit of the mystery ballet. You mm-hmm. know, um, you know, I love this, this monster ghost story. And whenever, you know, one of the things I always talk about is how like I always associate an episode with the monster, the story, the most memorable thing about that episode, which is usually the monster of the week or whatever. And waiting in the wings whenever I think about I'm like oh I love that episode Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because there is really good and that whole monster is really good. And the monster being a metaphor for men, male entitlement to women, which I think is fantastic. And the way that we address that and all that kind of stuff, um, I think it's really great. And, you know, and even the possession, you know, being possessed by the ghosts and all of that stuff, um, which is, you know, we did that before on Buffy. But all right. You know what? You can go back to that. Well, one more time. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I love Angel's line. Look, I've been possessed by the spirits of old lovers before. It never ends well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that callback to Buffy. That was delightful.
1: No, I think it's really nice. But then when we get to, like, what's really going on, when Angel goes and talks to the ballerina and she says, you know, her her heel turns at one point. It's not the same, you know, same, like, ballet. It's the same performance, right. you know, which is so powerful that she's living in this thing constantly over and over and over again and can't change it you know um and then she says he doesn't notice he doesn't even know the ballet that well i don't dance i echo right that was such a good line oh my god it's so beautiful so we have that like wonderful sense of you know i don't dance i echo because she's a prisoner right Mm -hmm. and any person you know held within a, you know, a state of being without their consent, without their enthusiastic consent, um, they do just start to echo. And yeah. I think that that is a really like such a powerful idea, so beautifully expressed, and I just love that. And um, we have Summer Glau as the ballerina. She, of yes. course, played River Tam in Firefly. Um, so it was kind of fun to see her. Firefly started like right after this, so right, you know, right, I, right. I think it was because she played this role that he pulled her into Firefly. I love her um, on Firefly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's, it's so really much. great, really good stuff. Um, and then of course, like you know, Angel goes and and you know smashes they're like where's your power source oh i'll guess and he just smashes the <laughs> Italian. we don't even spend any time dicking around with that we're like we're, we don't have any time left in the episode you know so we just go and do that um and then he's like you love her that
0: much start a website <laughs> <laughs> well i don't mean you know villains of the world here's a, a tip like yeah. if you have a power center maybe not wear it as like a big sparkly jewel
1: it's exactly. just super
0: obvious around your exactly.
1: neck. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or have it, you know, in the middle of your forehead or whatever. Right. <laughs> which we had with like the memory demon from I Will Remember You. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really great. I also really like in the Mystery Ballet, right, that um, the angel goes down on Cordy. Before well, yeah. anything, like when they've got their little sexual stuff going on, like he is doing it correctly. Yes. And I really I like that. It's a guy who knows what he's doing. I mean, granted he's had two hundred and forty years to kind of perfect his technique, mm-hmm. you know? But it's it's really nice. It's good. Um so that was kind of fun, right? But I don't know, I'll get to that and, and what we get to research questions do you have a question about that whole interaction. Yeah. Um and I had a theory. Things... Oh, okay. All right, no, <laughs> good. I want to have that conversation. Um, so some of the other things I loved, I love Angel being so excited about the ballet, getting, you know, um, his passion for culture. When he's like, I saw their production of Giselle in 1890, cried like a baby, and I was evil. You know? <laughs> and I love his joy about that. You know, it's so incredibly wonderful. Um, I love when he's talking to Lauren and he's like, stop saying that. Stop calling me pastries. <laughs> Oh, angel cake, honey bun. Oh, angel cake, I know. <laughs> yeah. So incredibly cute. And I love how delighted Gun is by the ballet. Me too. Um, you know, and he was like, he gets all excited about it. He's talking about the athleticism. There's so much to love in it. And then he has this moment where he's like, you know, I was cool before I met y'all. You know, and I'm like, no, oh. loving the ballet is cool. There's nothing wrong with that, Gun. Stop it. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, I did. So, I yeah. love seeing him just kind of fall into that appreciative space you mm-hmm. know and seeing how much he enjoyed it that was that was so much fun to watch
1: yeah no it was it was really sweet and I loved his enthusiasm I loved how much he loved it it was really very cool so that was really fun um you know the the moment after Angel and Cordy come out from I think it was their first makeout session he has to put the coat over his crotch to cover <laughs> up. That was cute. That was a cute moment. We're going to have a less cute play on that same joke and couplet, but it's it's cute here, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So that was, like, pretty much the stuff that that I loved. Was there anything that you loved that I didn't hit
0: on? Um, I think probably all of that just amplified <laughs> uh, because <laughs> it works for me, like, oh okay. so mm-hmm,
1: well. Mm-hmm. I love
0: the team getting all dressed up. Yeah. I love the ballet. I love them all going to the ballet. I love the whole... Time warp thing, I love. Mm-hmm. I I just the whole thing lit me up. Um, yeah, and I really enjoyed Angel's enthusiasm and Gun's enthusiasm, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, but the sex with Angel and Cordy is hot. Yes, like, yeah, I have, I have seen <laughs> itself.
1: problems with it, the but sex scene uh, itself is yes. is very good.
0: The scene was very well done and although I am... the i'm only alive when you're inside
1: of me i mean like uh, i mean eh, come
0: on eh, eh.
1: i don't know just shut up maybe don't talk maybe don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know like so, so some of that dialogue kind of clunked for me like i i'm glad that they did it because they went through the whole thing um but it, but some of it was weird so yeah <laughs> Some of it threw me out of the moment. But the two of them together, like, there's a lot of chemistry between yeah. Baby Boreanaz and Charisma Carpenter. Yeah. Um, You know, they really, like, it's it's a nice moment with them, you know, having this experience. Um But it, it kind of brings me into my staking. Yeah. Because Cordy is so freaking clueless and it makes me insane in this whole thing. Like... It's one thing for her to, like, up until this point, maybe not having realized, you know, that Angel has these feelings for her. But there's stuff with them. You know, like, they, there was the the episode where they fell uh, fell asleep on the bed together taking care yeah. of Connor. And there's been, like, this closeness with them. and um, And I think that you would start to pick up on things, you know. Yeah, or maybe have it maybe have it like in the back of your head. You'd be like, no, but then you'd be like, well, maybe, but no, like I can see her being in that space. But once we have this experience, they clearly remember it, you know, right. like they clearly like as and you looked really hot doing that, you know. um, But I mean, all of this stuff kind of adding up and the things that Angel says to her and the fact that he doesn't, you know, she doesn't pick up on that there's something there that maybe they need to attend to, that she just dismisses all of it. Um, That's a little too clueless for me because Cordy's smarter than that. Um, But I love this moment when Angel says, don't be stupid. I'm that guy and the most beautiful woman in the world is making eyes at me. It's either a bachelor party or a scam. And then Cordy says, what did you just call me? And he just says, I'm sorry, you're not stupid. Right. Which is good. And I'm glad you yeah. said that. Yeah. But she caught it. She was oh, like, yeah. No, I'm not talking about that. Like he called her the most beautiful woman in the world or the most beautiful woman I've ever seen or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I I just like in that moment, like she knows. And that, yet we're going to completely override that and play her as clueless throughout, you know, um, angel talking about kissing cordelia you know and what that means to him and then mm-hmm. it's kind of cute in this moment where she's like up to his ass in demon gore he's fine but ask him to mac on a hottie and he wigs my champion ladies and gentlemen You know, <laughs> so it's kind of cute but also like in that moment like she like it's not terribly subtle what he's trying to say and she like it almost seems like deliberately misunderstands it even though you know not 10 minutes earlier he was calling her without the influence of the ghost the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen in his life right right so i mean these are all things that like one instance fine but all of them adding up together by the time we get to the end um you know it's it's kind of stupid and then there's this moment where they're like where they're actually like you know deep in this whole experience on the couch right and then the goons attack you know, mm. and she says, "Oh, thank God!" And I'm like, "Oh, there is no way! I <laughs> no. don't care." In that moment, when you're that turned on and somebody is going down on you, there is no way you're
0: not pissed off when the goons come in. No, the only way that she would say, <laughs> mm-hmm. "Oh, thank God," is if she hit peak before the right before the goons, because mm-hmm. then it would be like, "At least I got there." Okay, fine, let's fight. But right. yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, you do <laughs> not. Sorry. No, I don't care how focused you are.
1: I don't care who the guy is or who the other person is, you know, for anybody who's anywhere on that spectrum. Um, But I mean, like, there's no way. And so in that moment, she's like, oh, thank God, I don't have to have sex with Angel anymore. Shut up. Yeah, you were loving it. You were loving it, you know. Um, And then we get to the end, right? And Angel's talking to Cordy. And he says, you know, like, he's having this conversation. He says, no, if that were to happen, I'd want to start at the beginning. And she goes, lost me in the middle. And I'm like, no. He didn't. I mean, for fuck's sake, this whole thing. It's just, it's one after another. And any one of them, I could be like, okay, you know, maybe she doesn't catch it. Maybe she doesn't understand, whatever. But by the time you get to the end of this, you know, like she has to know. And we play this whole thing up, you know, without her picking up on any of this. And this is a woman who knows when a man is into her. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, not just that, but... She also has, like, supernatural demon-level empathy yeah. power. I mean, come right. on. Like, like come there's on. there's no way she doesn't no. know, but she's being, like,
1: absolutely, you know, deliberately obtuse. And And I just, I don't like it. And I also don't think that they were writing her to be deliberately obtuse. I don't think textually she's deliberately sidestepping this because she's afraid of it. They could have played that. They could have absolutely played that, but they didn't. They are having her be obtuse just because they're playing Cordy as obtuse and they don't want to have her understand that he likes her. Same thing that they did with Fred and Wesley. Fred has no idea that Wesley did a thing for her. And we have fewer clues, you know, with Wesley and Fred. Like, so I understand Fred. But also, like, you know, it, it puts both of these women as these objects of desire Mm -hmm. you know as opposed to participants in a relationship between two people you know and it is this very kind of like possessive thing there you know which brings me to the other thing that i hate about this episode (laughs) which is this idea of both wesley and gunn you know like they both like fred and fred has no idea she's so completely clueless about the whole thing you know um, and they're both reaching for her hand at the same point, And it's like, they're both got, and it's like, they're literally fighting over the last piece of cake. It is an object. <laughs> Whoever reaches it first gets it. Was and that... it has nothing to do with what she wants. Was I the only one wishing that they would end up holding each other's hand? Nope. You okay. were not. <laughs> you were not. Had this turned into a Fred or to a gun and Wesley romance, yes. I would have been into it. Yes. I would have been into it. Yes. yes. Um, but I don't, you know, and we have this in the beginning where we have like um, Gunn and Fred coming in after they've been out for breakfast and he's of course talking about how she eats so much but she's so skinny and for fuck's sake can we not Lorelai Gilmore every single woman <laughs> i absolutely hate this you know the women who stay that skinny stay that skinny because they don't eat you know i mean no okay that's not wrong some people are naturally that thin and that's fine and they can eat whatever they want and that's fine but the idolizing of that because right. women are starving themselves the vast majority of women are starving themselves trying to fit into some kind of ideal and so as as women starve themselves and become weaker and weaker and weaker because they're not getting enough food then we idolize the super skinny naturally skinny woman who can just eat whatever she wants tons of what she wants and isn't it so cute and adorable how much she eats right and what that does is that sets up not only are you supposed to be skinny but you're supposed to eat eight thousand calories a day while doing it so good luck with that impossible fucking hollywood
0: standard all all of which by the way you're supposed to get at a diner yes so it's
1: (laughs) yeah no it it I hate it. I hate it on Gilmore Girls. I hate it here. I hate it everywhere we see it. That it's so cute how this little tiny woman just eats so much, you know? And it's like, I swear to God, like every woman in the universe just like threw things at the wall at that point, like, you know, w- hulked
0: out. What the fuck. <laughs> because you know? my secret is I'm always hungry. I'm supposed to be Exactly. <laughs> I'm always hungry. I'm
1: always I mean, hungry. good fucking god so that whole thing I absolutely like I hate that so much it was this tiny little part of this episode will be a bigger part of the next episode right oh yeah um, I love watching you eat a oh, fuck off you know? <laughs> um, but that whole thing is just like I. I am so over that so over that um. So another thing that I wanted to stake is this: like we spent the whole first, I don't know, fifteen minutes of this interminable episode, right? <laughs> in the in the best friend emotional exposition machine, right? <laughs> Which is, you know, we have Cordy talking to Wes about Fred, Fred talking about Gun to Cordy, and then of course Cordy we we mine this whole thing with. I don't understand what's really happening here. And Cordy talking to Fred, thinking that she's talking about Wes, but Fred is actually talking about Gunn. And everybody's like having these discussions about their true feelings. and shut up. Like, we know, we know that Gunn's into Fred. We know that Wesley's into Fred. We don't need all of this. And, you know, and she's encouraging, you know, Fred saying that, you know, Wes is into her, but Fred thinks she's talking about Gunn. And Fred's not sure that Gunn likes her, but you he just ate 12 hamburgers in front of him in a single sitting. You're still 95 pounds. So, of course, he loves you because that's what it takes. Um, so we have this like this, the the best friend emotional exposition machine, which is in which we have a character whose sole interest in any conversation is just what exactly is going on in your love life? Because we have to exposit it all for this audience who already knows. We already know Angel's in love with Cordy. We already know that Fred's into Gun. We already know that Gun's into Fred. We already know that Wes is into Fred. All right. We don't need all of this. We have Lauren doing the same thing with Angel, you know, um, and it's so it's so it's awkward and it's creaky and it's unnecessary, you know. Um, and it's just like it's it's all weird. And I just I I hate those conversations. They just and especially because like I've read so many romance novels, you know. Because mm-hmm. I write romance novels. Like you know, I've done this. <laughs> like I was in the romance community for a long time. I read a lot, and it's always like this this best friend who has nothing of her own, no life of her own. Nothing, no interests, nothing. The only thing she cares about is whether the heroine is getting laid and by who. That's all she cares about, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's this conversation. And so we're doing the, the you know, the best friend emotional exposition machine, um, trademark pending. And it's so annoying and it's so like creaky and weird. And then we have this weirdness with Lauren talking about pushing Angel out of the way to get to Cordy. Um... But Lorne, we never see in any kind of romantic context. Like, you know, we sort of have him coded as gay or bisexual, but he talks about Cordy like he would want Cordy. And you know what? That's fine. Like, wherever he is. I love the idea of a bisexual Lorne, but I also hate the fact that our only character who might possibly not be a zero on the Kinsey scale has no action whatsoever yeah. Right. Even the Furies who do the the um the spell. Right. They're not going mm, Lord, which they should because he'd be amazing. He would rock their fucking world. <laughs> but they're sleeping with Angel in order to get this, you know, the the spell for Caritas for Lorne. So, I mean, all of that, like Lorne would be the most amazing. He's an empath for crying out loud. He would be amazing in bed. He should be getting it every single episode. There should be somebody in his bed. I mean, and we ever
0: see that think about it like seriously mm-hmm. like stop for yeah. just a second and think yeah. about this you hum a tune and he super, knows exactly, exactly what you want right like yeah sing me a song sugar and let me blow your mind i would love to have that superpower i mean come are you on. kidding
1: me like are
0: you kidding me? there would yeah. be a line like forget the line to get into caritas Oh yeah, <laughs> the line for this no. man's bed would wrap around L.A.
1: There is no reason why Lauren should be living the life of a monk. <laughs> <laughs> this, is is... <laughs> this is not how monks work. This is not how monks work. But I mean, seriously, like, like, and that's and the thing that bugs me too is that he's the only, only character where it's not even textual. It's just kind of subtextual. It's just kind of coded as somebody who might not be a zero on the Kinsey
0: scale, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. And we get nothing for him. He gets nothing. I hate that.
0: I do too. It has I always bothered me.
1: It's wrong and he should be he should be smashing it with somebody every week. Yeah. That's all. Like and falling in love is another thing. Like I would love to see him have like a love relationship story. That would be fantastic. But at least he should be having sex. This man of all people he should be having <laughs> sex on a regular basis there is no reason this should not be happening this is wrong he can make so many people so happy so easily yeah i mean for real like yeah. and
0: seriously. he knows not to use a
1: loofah he... he
0: he would know lauren would know i have a funny feeling that lauren needs absolutely no instruction whatsoever I, oh, exactly
1: exactly so that made me crazy. Um, and then there were a couple of other little things like Fred, when she's talking to guns, she's like, would you stop being such a little girl? Right. Which is something that we actually see. I just talked about this in an episode of still pretty. That's going to go up in the next week where the language that we use to insult people is just by saying you screamed like a girl, ran like a girl, you know, mm-hmm. like, would you stop being such a, like, we really need to stop associating the feminine with weakness.
0: Especially, like, I've had enough yeah, of that. Especially in a story world. we're the strongest women in the world are slayers Yeah. uh, yeah really really yeah
1: yeah So, um, yeah, so that that drives me crazy. And that's the kind of thing that's just done absently without even thinking about it, because that's something that we do in our own culture. That's a little bit of terroir getting in there. And I understand that. But God, it creaks. It creaks really, really hard. And then we have this thing. And I probably should have put this in research mode. Okay, I'll go ahead and shift it into research mode, because we're almost there anyway. Okay. (laughs) Um, So my first question is this. Cordy is at the ballet, Mm -hmm. right? All dressed up, having a great time. Falls asleep. All right. (laughs) Cordelia is not 67 years old, right? She's not even 47 years old. (laughs) She is 21 textually. I mean, she's obviously 28 at least. But I mean, text like in the text itself, in the world, canonically, this woman is 21 years old, right? I understand she's bored, Mm -hmm. right? But she falls asleep in the first 30 seconds of this ballet. You know, I don't buy it.
0: I, I it just... was so silly. It was it, it was, was just so a dumb. silly and little she's snoring so loud. Yeah, yeah. It was ridiculous. Just... No, I did not care for
1: that at all. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really really dumb joke. Um, and you know, to say that the that the ballet is boring or whatever, you know, just whatever. I mean, Cordelia is young. She could can... now. If I went to the ballet after working three jobs and raising two kids, yeah, I'd fall asleep. I almost, <laughs> I almost fell asleep. At the Producers on Broadway. I'm not going to lie. I almost did. <laughs> but I was middle-aged at that point. Cordelia is 21 years. Uh, just turned 21,
0: by the way. Well, I I fell asleep yeah. at a Braves mm-hmm. game when, oh my- I was like- <laughs> when I was like 19. But I was bored <laughs> and hungover. So- and did it, was it in the first 30 seconds of the game? Maybe. No, not the first oh. 30 seconds. But <laughs> pretty Pretty <laughs> soon. Pretty soon. <laughs> into the game but i was All not right. dressed up and i was not like at a you know super yeah. fancy event so you no
1: know, know. it's weird it's just it's just weird i don't know that just threw me off um so the other questions that i have uh one of them is about angel right mm-hmm. so angel was cursed after 1890 because when he saw giselle originally he was still evil right right and now my question is uh, Do we ever find out the exact year that he was cursed? I know it was before the Boxer Rebellion, which was like eighteen ninety nine to nineteen oh one, right? Because in the Boxer Rebellion, when we have those flashbacks, I don't know if we've seen those yet on this episode. I'm not spoiling much. I'm just saying he's in the Boxer Rebellion. We've seen it somewhere. Yeah, we've seen Probably it here. Buffy. I think we've seen, seen it, here. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I get. I get confused because I've seen both of these. I've seen Buffy the whole way <laughs> through. I've seen Angel the whole way through. And every now and again, I'm like, Have we done that yet? Did that happen yet? Um. So anyway, yes, he was at the Boxer Rebellion. Um, So we have, like, that frame. So it was somewhere a time between 1890 and like 19 or 1899 because that's the beginning of the boxer. Um so somewhere in there. But do we ever like get exactly when he was turned, when he was uh he got a soul?
0: Um there is probably a very smart person in Discord who knows the answer to this. I imagine there's somebody and
1: that's why I'm saying it cuz I looked it up on the internet and I couldn't find it, but yeah. somebody knows. I, somebody knows the exact year. Somebody knows and that person is not me. It is not me either. So I'm going to move on to my next question. All right. <laughs> So I know that Angel has a photographic memory and everything, but he saw that ballet one night, 112 years ago. Like, how does he remember that it's the exact same dancers?
0: Okay, I have a theory about this. Oh, good. Good, good. So when Angel and Cordy go into the Prima Ballerina's dressing room, Angel says, it is unchanged. And I went, how does he know? (laughs) so I like how would he know what her Uh dress looked like in 1890 unless he was in there at some point and he remembers her face right it's the premium ballerina's face that tips him off right yeah so I think he saw that ballet more than once and I think Angelus was like starting to crush on this ballerina and starting to stalk her like Angelus style Right. So he would have been like I envisioned him like in that dressing room sketching And then Holt chased him away before he could turn it. Exactly. Yeah. There
1: we go. I like that. I am officially putting the canon rubber stamp on that. I like it.
0: (laughs) There's no textual evidence for that whatsoever, but it delighted me. (laughs) Absolutely not.
1: But I love it. No, but no, but there is. Like Angel says that that the uh that the dressing room is unchanged. So that means that he was there. So So he must have known her a little bit more. I think so interesting like although she doesn't remember him at all no he was because he, he was in stalking, stalking right he was stalking i like yeah. it because he does that we we know that he, we does. Know he does that he was in we there watching her stalker. sleep like oh and drawing pictures and of drawing him. pictures of her that, but didn't that's... want to tell everybody about that because he's ashamed because he should be because it's gross exactly <laughs> yeah but he was all right i like it <laughs> i like it all right so the other questions that i have are about this mystery ballet right mm-hmm. okay so what's happening to all the people watching Right. All of a sudden, everything just melts away and all of the performers disappear. Um, Do they get their money back when all the dancers disappear in the middle of the performance? And I just think a lot of like rich white ladies are going to be demanding to talk to the manager. (laughs) And here's the other thing, though. Right. He... He destroys the um, the power crystal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everybody disappears. Like, this ballerina dies immediately when that happens. But this asshole, Kirskov, gets to, what, live forever? Why is he still young and unaged and still there? Yeah. Well, he has box
0: seats. So... He does. <laughs> No, they last a really long time. And and yes. this is the verse where there are no consequences for evil men no who consequences. do but I No consequences for I men wondered, who feel entitled to yeah, women. None. There you go. But I wondered, mm-hmm. like, did she actually die? Did she disappear and get to go back in time to that and point live the rest and live life? the rest of her life with her lover? That is how I am headcanoning oh, this because I am no, a ridiculous like romantic.
1: Yes. No, I like that. That's so much better. And if we hadn't had so much of the best friend emotional exposition machine in the beginning. Exactly. We would have had time yes. to give her something. And also have this guy have some freaking consequence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Angel just leaves him and says, you like her so much. Start a website. Um. That's uh, all the consequence he gets for stealing this woman for 100 years and holding her prisoner and yeah. making her perform well, the same stupid ballet. Well, he is now
0: he was now the art director at Wolfram and Hart. <laughs> so he will be given a great corner office and and all this shit. Yeah. But I yeah. think I think she melted away back in time, the the ballerina. Uh-huh. And because he's not there cuz he's trapped in LA right. in the future. Uh-huh. She takes over. So she's the prima ballerina, but she's also in charge of the whole dance company. She becomes the first woman to do this and she like changes the entire world of ballet and uh-huh. she gets to have great sex in her dressing room without interruption. That yes. is the ending that I want for her.
1: No, and I think that's really great. But I want consequence for Kurskow. Oh, Kurskopf. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want all those great things for her. I absolutely love it. And I'm putting the the, the canonization rubber stamp on all of that. I think that's amazing. <laughs> You're very good at this. But Kurskoff has to have some kind of nothing. 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 He loses his, his ballerina. Yeah, that's that's it. it. That's it. That's it. That's it. No, he, uh, something bad. He needs to go to a bad... He needs to go to the Billy Box. Yeah. He needs to go something. somewhere real bad. Something. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> anyways, is there I anything don't that I didn't
0: hit on <laughs> that you wanted to talk about? So I had this one theory about these hot spots. Yeah. So we see two hotspots in action, right? We see the, yes. the sexual one with Angel and Cordia. And then we mm-hmm. see the jealousy one with Wesley and the Count. Yes. So my theory is that the hotspots were not accessible Unless you were already in a compatible emotional state, mm-hmm. so oh, like it wouldn't have worked yeah. on Angel mm-hmm. and Cordy if they didn't already have feelings for right. each other, right? And they were able to tap into that hot spot because they had feelings for each other. Uh huh. And like the yeah. second time they went back in, they went back knowing what was going to happen, and they mm-hmm. chose to do it right. So yes. I think Wesley, when he hit that. That hot spot, because he was feeling so jealous and sad about Fred, he was able to feel what the Count was feeling. Yeah, but he didn't have to act on it because he wasn't actually possessed. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was kind of what I was thinking. No, that is nice because they do kind of line up
1: really nicely. Oh, I forgot the steak grew. Oh, can I steak grew? Can I go back? Can I go back in time and steak grew because oh, poor grew. Gru at the end. I hate that whole thing. <laughs> Gru has very bad timing. <laughs> I like We'll talk about Gru a lot more in the next <laughs> episode. But anyway, I wanted to go back and do that retroactive stake because um,
0: because I forgot. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in there? Oh, I think you have staked all the things and asked all the questions, honey. Oh, except for one. Oh, what? Okay. So when Angel and Cordelia were talking about going back into the hotspot, right? Yes. Angel said, I'm marveling at the wrongness of this idea which I loved because they, Mm -hmm. you know, they both kind of know what's going to happen. And they're afraid, right? When they're in that Mm -hmm. zone, like the ballerina is really afraid. And so she's telling her lover, like, help me be not afraid. Mm -hmm. And so I really got to thinking about sex as a cure for fear or like sex as a way to fight (laughs) fear. And I, right? I'm like. Huh? I
1: love that. You know, I have anxiety. I mean,
0: right, sugar? I guess I need to get a very special prescription, a very specific prescription for very certain things that do not involve lufas, because no. (laughs) Just saying, like, oh man. So when you watch a really scary episode of Angel, I kind of think you know what to do, right? (laughs) I'm all about improving the viewer experience here. <laughs> oh my God, that's fantastic! <laughs> those are my deep deep thoughts so
1: i'll let you it. Right. i like it all right waiting in the wings has a good ghost story and advances the romantic storylines with significant changes in the various couplings so it's important to watch to keep track of what's going on it's got some really frustrating and disappointing elements that can take away from the enjoyment but overall it's a decent episode and now we get to talk about couplet
0: In Couplet, Angel struggles with jealousy as Gru, now dethroned from Pylea, joins the team as both a champion and the object of Cordelia's affection. Gru and Angel track a demon from Cordy's vision, but when the demon runs out in the sunlight and attacks people in a park, only Gru can chase after him. Gru kills the demon and Angel starts to wonder if Gru could replace him. Cordelia wants to get her cum-shuck on with Gru, but is scared her visions will transfer to him if she does, so she sends Angel and Gru to a demon brothel for a protection potion. Meanwhile, Wesley struggles with heartache as Fred and Gunn start dating, and he sends Gunn to trail a man whose fiancé thinks he's cheating on her. Fred and Gunn track the man to a tree monster, get captured, but manage to call Angel and Gru for help because cell phone reception (laughs) down there is fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> Gru rushes in, sword in hand, to attack the tree monster, but the tree runs him through with a root and grows stronger while feeding off of him. Angel punches Gru several times to weaken the tree and tricks the tree into running him through with a root, but Angel's dead heart is cold death for this monster. Back at the Hyperion, Angel gives Cordy the potion, a bunch of cash, and a couple weeks off work, telling her to take Gru somewhere nice so they can enjoy some sunshine together. Wesley translates part of the prophecy about Connor only to be horrified by what he discovers. The father will kill the son. Couplet aired on February
1: 18, 2002. It was directed by Tim Miner and written by Tim Menear and Jeffrey Bell. All right, Kelly, so Couplet, on the perfect happiness sa- scale, completely random, zero at stake this, six at lost your soul, uh, where does Couplet land for
0: you? Okay, so I gave this a four, but mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be higher because yeah. what I remember from this episode was Angel loves Cordy, like real mm-hmm. mature love. And so he helps her get a magical prophylactic so she can have sex with Groo. Because he wants her to be happy, even if it means mm-hmm. sleeping with a lover who's not him. And I was like, "Oh, And <laughs> I'm always intrigued by a demon brothel. And mm-hmm. so from memory, just based on that, I was going to give it a five. Um, yeah. But then I had to actually watch it. And wow, <laughs> there was a lot here <laughs> yeah. that I still loved. Like the amount of things that needing staking brought it down to a four.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think oh, it's, it's a, a generous four. <laughs> It's a generous four.
1: It's a, it's a three is generous for me on this one. <laughs> I did not like this episode. I don't like Gru. I yeah. don't care about Gru. Gru annoys me. I don't like... He's, he's, he's not smart, which, of course, I always don't like. And then his sad sackiness with Cordelia. Let me see. I traveled across, you know, a portal in dimensions to be with you. And you don't want me? You know? Like, okay. Yeah. You didn't, like you know, what did you expect? And of course, the fact that she dumps everything, she's in the middle of talking to Angel, she goes and she starts making out with Gru, this guy that she knew for 35 seconds, 10 months ago, yeah. right? Um, in an entirely different context as well. Like, The whole thing is just kind of stupid. And then we've got Angel in this like super whiny brood mode and brooding Angel is not my favorite Angel. Um, We've got Wesley's complete dickishness with Gunn. Everything that was wonderful about Wesley in the last episode, (laughs) we are lacking in this episode. Uh, None of it's really great. I mean, the ending note with Wesley, you know, the father will kill the son is really good, but that's not really part of the episode. I mean, it's basically a coda. It's Mm -hmm. not part of the overall story. So like couplet is just it's not it's not great for me
0: yeah yeah and and, and it's funny because there's so much stuff in here that just pisses me yeah. off mm-hmm. and yet the things i love i love hard well good what do you
1: love hard what are your moments of perfect happiness? okay
0: so to me there is a lot of emotional nuance in this mm-hmm. episode that we have been missing um yes. and a lot of great face acting especially with mm-hmm. angel and wesley yeah. um and like i like Angel trying to deny to Lauren, you know, there's nothing between Courtney and me because mm-hmm. she's downstairs making out with Gru. Um, yeah. and Lauren says sure there is and it's got arms like steel cables and a deeply ironic sense of timing. And I was like at least they call out right. the freaking irony timing because come on. I like know. really really yeah. really
1: because we can't have people have a conversation. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing that drives me crazy. It's like when if you want real romantic conflict, you have people who talk to each other, who know how they feel. But for some reason, they can't be together. Right. You know, and like that's the decision. But instead, what we're doing is making these women, both Fred and Cordelia, super clueless about it all. And it
0: just is annoying. Yeah, it's so annoying. Um, yeah. But I did really like the moment that Angel pulled his jacket back out of the closet to smell Cordelia's oh, perfume because it I was, was really. sweet and i'm a sucker and i like it um
1: (laughs) no i like that moment too there's a lot of stuff that i mean i did i liked that it's just overall oh yeah it was annoyed me so much that i couldn't enjoy the stuff. i know
0: um but and then i like and again so much of this is angel's face like Mm -hmm. when he and grew are chasing after the demon and the demon runs out in the sun because oh gee who would have thought that the demon would go after all the people Um, and Angel can't run after him, you know, so of Mm -hmm. course Gru does and Gru kills the demon and everybody's cheering. And I was like, first of all, would the people really cheer like that? Wouldn't they be like screaming? Oh my God, what the hell? Demon, demon. Yeah. Like what the, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Angel's stuck there in the shadows watching on and like the look on his face, is just, Oh, I don't know. It just moved see, me. and that's great. Like that face acting is fantastic because that
1: is subtle, yeah, yes. stuff. Yeah, so we don't need to have Lorne there, standing the angel, going, hey, <laughs> "Hey, are you sad?" I'm, sens- I'm you... sensing that you're sad and jealous right now. Are you sad and <laughs> jealous? Is it because grew's <laughs> so hot and he's out there in the sunshine with Cordelia and all of these people? Because we really need to talk about
0: that. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's the nuance yeah. that I appreciate, <laughs> and <laughs> yes, it's nice. And and I love this moment. When Angel Angel and Wesley are at the bookstore
1: looking for the,
0: like, secret code, code whatever, breaker for this prophecy. And Mm -hmm. and Angel is actually talking about how he feels without it being Mm -hmm. exposition. You know, and kind of saying, like, he thinks Gru could replace him. Like, if Gru got the visions, it wouldn't be so bad. And Wesley's like, oh, because he could replace Cordy. But mm-hmm. Wesley's smart enough to catch on and say, oh, no, he could replace yeah. you. And yeah. I think this is one of my favorite lines we ever get from Wesley. And he says, mm-hmm. Angel, you're the reason we all come together. It's your mission which animates us. And mm-hmm. it was so great. Like, that was I so great. Moment. But then we have that moment. That was have, great, Wesley. It was so yeah. good. But then we have to have the stupid irony smash again. He says, mm-hmm. you're like one of these rare volumes, one of a kind. And the bookseller comes out and says, Hey, I got three of them. And I was like, Oh, come Ugh. on. Really? That's not the point. Who really? cares? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So that was annoying. We have
0: to undercut this wonderful
1: moment with that. Yeah. yeah.
0: But that moment between the two of them, I mean, it might be yeah. one of my favorite things that Wesley ever says. Yeah. I know. It
1: really is wonderful.
0: It was so great. And when mm-hmm. Angel gives Cordelia back the money for her potion yeah. and sends her on vacation. You know, he's like, take Grace someplace nice, somewhere where there's sun. Because that's the yeah. kind of trip he could never take Cordelia on.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's so wonderful. And the way that he is very selflessly just trying to do whatever he can to ensure Cordelia's happiness. Yeah. And, I mean, part of that is because he needs her to leave because he doesn't want to watch it. And I think that that's fair enough. Oh, because yeah. Because he's saying, you know, go have this experience that you can't have with me. Right. You know? Right. Yeah.
0: And And he's... You know, she's asking if he's sure he doesn't need, like, her to take care of his wound, too, because he got the tree vine through the chest. Right. And he's like, no, it didn't hurt a bit. And it's, like, on his heart. And I'm like, oh, it's just. I know. Like, I think Angel might need to have me make him feel better for a little while. It was just really sweet. I think he
1: just might. But then I was. He might like like the loofah.
0: You don't know. I I mean, come on. (laughs) <laughs> but I was also wondering, like, isn't Wesley still the boss? And here is Angel getting right? 4, 3, two weeks off? Like, that's not. Maybe yeah. they should have discussed that. um Yeah. And then I really like how, you know, Angel goes back and picks up Connor. Yeah. And he's, he brings the baby downstairs, and they interrupt Wesley. And Wesley's like, hey, you startled me. I thought I was alone. Mm-hmm. And Angel is smiling at the baby, like, so sweetly. And he says, yeah, so did I. And Aww. it's like, oh, like he's lost I Cordelia, know. but he loves this baby and I, I am a sucker for a man holding a baby, I think. I, I know. It was just really sweet. It is incredibly sweet. And then the pain on Wesley's face when he looks at that oh. translation. Oh, oh god, god, I know. God, he can act. I mean, oh yeah, Alexis Denisof is amazing. Yeah. He he really is. Um so I really liked all of that. And then mm-hmm. Even though this felt a little campy, I really liked Angel's, like, vulnerability or weakness being turned into mm-hmm. a strength because yeah. he's able to use his jealousy of Gru to, like, mm-hmm. save Gru from the yeah. tree monster. Um, and it was kind of funny, like, so this tree monster, is like, feeding off of Gru, and he's, he's mm-hmm. magnificent. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, Really? <laughs> Even
1: the tree monster is the tree with Gru. What is
0: it about Gru? Like, what? And I love it. I don't see it. When Angel starts punching Gru, and he's like, he's such a champion. He's so rugged. He's so emotionally available. (laughs) Look at him in the daylight. (laughs) It cracks me up every time. So, you know, but Angel, you know, beats the hell out of him. And then that tree pierces Angel's heart. And Angel Mm -hmm. says, that's okay. No one's using it right now. Oh, Uh, and I was like, oh, honey, like, oh, and then I really got a kick out of the tree saying he was going to kill Angel and Angel saying, sorry, already dead. (laughs) 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 So that made me very happy. Although if he had said still dead, it would have been.
1: I know still dead. Whenever they say that, it would have been perfect. (laughs)
0: Um, And then my other moments of perfect happiness, I'm worried are probably just mine <laughs> like, why do I enjoy some of the things that I enjoy but we have a combination of bookstores sex shops and dark twisty prophecies and I'm sorry but someone wrote that for me like it's all <laughs> made de- it's, it's made specifically to delight it you was, and I think that that's awesome it was so great because I'm like <laughs> all right so they're going to this brothel it's not Madame Dorian's like this is a new mm-hmm. brothel right And we have Madame Anita, who makes like magic potions and can conjure them from the air, which was cool. I like that. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. But then I'm wondering how many demon brothels are there in LA and do they cater to specific audiences? Like, Mm -hmm. and that big like pleasure room where everything's amped up, like, would they really keep the door open for people to watch? Hey, I, maybe. I maybe that's, maybe that's the kink. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Or maybe it was just like advertising for that space. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I was really intrigued by that because it raises so many questions about supernatural sex work. Yeah. And I, I, mm-hmm. Like, I really want to know more about how this functions and how this works in this world. And of course, we never find out. Um, uh, yeah. But I really liked the question that Madame Anita asked. Angel, because she seemed to be Mm -hmm. kind of intuitive when she gave him the potion. You know, she said, I know why your earnest friend is here, but why are you? What's in it Mm -hmm. for you? And I'm like, the only thing that's in it for Angel is getting Courtney what she wants. Yeah. And, and you know, that just speaks because she asked him to Yeah, like, that's, that's it. She asked him for something. He's going to do it. And he's going to do it. And I kind of love that. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. and then
0: we go from a sex shop to a bookstore. I mean, like really, this is oh, basically spending their weekend with me. It was great, you know, <laughs> but when Wesley and angel walk into that bookstore, we get a quick shot of a red leather bound book high up on the yeah. shelf. And that is the wolf book from the Wolfram and heart collection from oh. Pilea. It's the same book interesting so i was really curious about the presence of that book in the shop where they find this thing that's supposed to translate this prophecy yeah you know and i kind of wish that it had paid more attention to it it's a super fast shot but i was like i know that Mm -hmm. book like i will forget actors i will forget guest appearances i'll get them all Mm -hmm. mixed up but i know that book you know that book (laughs) Love it. (laughs) And then, you know, Wesley working on that translation and, you know, coming to the father will kill the son. And I was like, hello, dark and twisty prophecy edition. But also, like, he also knows sometimes he gets the words wrong or there's nuance in there. Both to live and to die. Let's not forget the chance. Right. So I'm just I love the potential for for what that mm-hmm. does and, and where it takes yeah. us in the story. Um, but I mostly love that quiet moment. Wesley's doing yeah. that work, you know, by himself mm-hmm. and having to deal with that alone. Yeah, um, yeah. And then there are a couple of random things, like when mm-hmm. Gru was explaining how he got dethroned, and he was like, mm-hmm. the committees turned into factions and the factions turned into subcommittees. And I was like, honey, it's always... <laughs> The subcommittees <laughs> that you got to watch out for, right? I like, <laughs> it just oh, made man. me laugh. Um, and I really love Lauren as Connor's nanny yeah you
1: know? yeah it's kind of nice although of course we stick lauren with no sex life whatsoever and always watching the baby when it's inconvenient for everybody else to be watching that's the true. baby that's you know? true i'm like that's that's not fair to lauren no not at all but he's so sweet lauren didn't even get to have the
0: sex that made the baby <laughs> jesus you know, but he's really good with him and he I, is and he's like so that. wonderful yeah. And then there was this comment from Fred, um, even though the context for this was ridiculous when she was making out with yeah. gun in his truck. But mm-hmm. she was talking about attraction. Um yeah. and debating whether it was magical or chemical. Mm-hmm. And I like that. You know, she was saying the yeah. DNA knows what it needs and it takes it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So it just Yeah. It opened up philosophical space for me about the nature of attraction and whether that is magical or chemical or a mixture of the two and Anything that raises these kind of thoughts, I enjoy when I'm watching a story, even Mm -hmm. though I'm also going, okay, y'all, really, like, you're going to make out in this truck when you're supposed to be watching this dude, like, Mm -hmm. really, like, yeah, so that was that was about it. And so it's a short list. And yet, I like the things enough to get me past the staking list, which is huge. (laughs) All right, well, let's get to staking. What do you got to stake? Okay, so we'll start with Angel's jealousy Mm -hmm. and brooding because, oh, my God. Yes, (laughs) Gru is a champion. Yes, Gru is in Cordy's arms. Yes, I particularly think Gru is very, very pretty. So He is very pretty. He's very pretty. It's just that
1: pretty doesn't matter when they're stupid.
0: Yes, (laughs) I know. And maybe there's a part of me that just really wants to tutor him. I don't know. But there's maybe. something about the very sweetness of mm-hmm. Gru that appeals to me. Uh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. But Angel's, like, constant, you know, don't you think he looks shorter? <laughs> like, really? Really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's so funny, though, is that, like, you know, I'm the one who's all, like, Little Miss Chipperish and bright-sighty and happy about things or whatever. And then I'm like, ooh, Dark Wesley. I know.
0: That delights <laughs> the one who's me. like,
1: I have darkness <laughs> my in my soul. soul but grew's so sweet, you know? Like, it's just... I, I don't know. know if it's an opposites attract thing or what I don't that's know. about.
0: Now, I am equally... I mean, I, I love Dark Wesley more than I love Gru. Yeah. But there is something okay. about Gru... As all right-thinking people I mean, would, but still. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> um, But there is something about Gru that just... I don't know. I want to take care of him, I think. But he's so sweet. I want to put a helmet on him and wrap (laughs) him in bubble wrap because he's stupid. (laughs) Oh. I want to teach him things like, sweetie, if the person that you're dating gives you a makeover to make you look like someone else she likes, (laughs) then you should not date her anymore. Like, you should be- also. You know what? Gru is absolutely the guy
1: who would grab the loofah during sex. Oh
0: yeah, we'd have to teach him. We would. (laughs) Poor He would be like, I thought it was soft. Be like, no, sweetie, no. (laughs) Don't do that again. (laughs) Let's start the lesson over. Okay. What did we do last time? All right, good. Like,
1: Oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm,
0: here, yeah. I'm taking down Gru. No, you like Gru, and that's okay. Do. but I and okay. I understand why Angel's jealous. But yeah, not, Gru can do nothing right. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna fight. He grabs a sword, and Angel's like, "That's my favorite broadsword. That's my shirt." I'm like, "Dude, he just yeah. came from a portal." You don't right. get it's to bring like there anything was with check, you. A bag, right. check thing That he
1: could do, <laughs> like, you know. He doesn't
0: have luggage. I mean, this is not his. Yeah, it's not his fault that he can't bring anything. And with he also him. doesn't have like
1: money or right. a job or a place to live. I mean, jumping through that portal—pretty freaking stupid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a girl he'd known for a nanosecond
0: ten months ago. Um, but Gru is sweet yeah. enough to think. That that kind of love would last, like he's very—he's almost innocent in sweet. some ways. Is sweet—is sweet the word? Or clueless? Okay, he's a little <laughs> clueless, but he went after Cordy, and plus, like, yeah. he has a skill set that could be valuable to Angel. Uh, yeah, very true. You know. He does. He does, and he looks very pretty, swinging Angel's favorite broadsword. So no, he. Does. I'm in favor. <laughs> God, like, <laughs> can I be more shallow? I don't know. We'll try yeah. and see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I did like at least that Angel corrected grew when grew thought that Cordy was unhappy that he was there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, no, she's yeah. not sad. She's scared she's going to lose something. And I'm like, well, someone please sit Grew down and say, Cordelia gets visions. If she has sex with you, she loses them. She doesn't want to lose them. Like, really? Mm-hmm. Can someone just not tell him this? I don't understand the problem. But, yeah. but Angel mm-hmm. for the first, like, How long was this episode? 42 minutes for like the first 40 Mm -hmm. was on my nerves. Um, And then he ended really sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. But then Wesley, oh my God. Yeah. Well, and Fred, like Mm -hmm. how clueless Fred is when Gunn is asking her, you know, like, oh, I thought you liked Wesley. And she's like, no, we're just very good friends. And I'm like, really, sweetie? Really? Really? Mm And yeah. And Cordy getting that mixed up giving Wesley this encouragement. Like, we never revisit mm-hmm. that either. We yeah. never mm-hmm. clear any of that up. Um, yeah. And, you know, then Wesley sends Gun on this case, like, seemingly to try to get him away from Fred for a little while. Right. But then Fred mm-hmm. just tags along. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, King David, like, sending your <laughs> person out because you want his wife or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then when Wes calls gun back in the office to talk to him first of all yeah. he called him charles and i was yeah. like when when did west start since when since when yeah you know and he says when you knew this was more than a tryst you should have told me and i was like west right. we need to back up like first yeah. of all ain't none of it any of your business anyway
1: mm-hmm. um mm-hmm.
0: but i really liked how gun saying i'm not sure that's any of your business you know yeah and then he's, and he's right yeah and yeah. he says what are you her brother And Wesley says, apparently. Mm -hmm. And the way he says, apparently, is nuanced enough that Gunn catches on. And I was glad they didn't have to... Break that down into 50,000 little bitty pieces. Gunn already knew, though. Like, it was
1: clear. And he just told Fred, I thought you and Wes were going to be a thing. And they both had those moments in the last couple of episodes where they were both like, "Ah," (gasps) over Fred. And then they'd look at each other. Like, that's the thing. Like, these people are not stupid. And we've already had textual acknowledgement that they both know about the other one's feelings for Fred. Yeah.
0: It just... All you of know, that annoyed yeah. me, But then Wesley being yeah. like that, I was like, Wes, she is not your property to assign. And he, you know, he tells yeah. Gunn, he's like, I just want her taken care of. I'm like, great. She's not your puppy or your child. Like, exactly. that is not okay. And, the- you know, and he's like, well, she could get hurt. And I'm like, yeah. All right. So what is that
1: your business? She gets to make this choice. And again, it's Gunn and Wesley talking about Fred like she is an object, right? And she's not you know, in the room. Of possession.
0: And like, yeah. If Leslie's worried about office romance, then you have that conversation with both people with who both are in of the them. romance. Yeah, not. But instead, you
1: know, he's there pouting. Apparently, I'm her brother. Well, shut up. Yeah. Shut up, Wesley. Yes. You don't have entitlement to her affection. Right. Now, whether or not Wesley is the right person for Fred, you know, I love Gunn. I love Gunn as much as the next girl. Like, he's hot. Oh, yeah. And I get it, you know. But Wesley and Fred are so clearly meant for each other,
0: you know. I mean, the love of science alone you would think, uh, would yeah, pull them. exactly. But you never know. I mean, like they said in the last episode, like, you can't predict those things. And just because two people sail like a great yeah. pair on paper doesn't mean yeah, that they have chemistry, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've seen Wesley do this before. Like, he thought Cordelia mm-hmm. was the bee's knees, and then they kissed, and like, That's that true. was, mm, And it was terrible. That was terrible. Right? And we know why. You and I know why. Because we know yeah. Wesley needs a little dark to his lovin', and he hadn't found it yet. Uh-huh. So well, yep. that's okay; he'll get there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but even more than all of that, I think Cordy, as the clueless empath, I mm-hmm. wanted to stake more than anything because yeah. she knows. Like, first of all, mm-hmm. I hate the makeover with Groove so much. I, yeah. I can't, e- like, I can't even. Like, you do not cut that beautiful mm-hmm. hair. I'm sorry, <laughs> that. Ha- <laughs> oh man but if you do cut well, also, it you don't make him Angel's identical twin well there's also
1: that but also that like he didn't ask you to cut his I hair know. <laughs> like she's like well I'm gonna do this makeover on you and change you right. and it's like no if he went to her and said you know what I really think I'd like to fit in more can you help me do that then fine right but that is not what happened and then that moment where she's like no cutting your hair is gonna make me like you any better and he's like that is, I know. Cordy is not She's stupid. not
0: stupid and she's not clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I hated her cutting his hair. But when she said, yeah. your strength's not in your hair right, I did laugh. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. okay, we've got King mm-hmm. David, we've got Samson, at least we can do some, some, you know, yeah. intertextual humor here. Um, <laughs> right. But there, grew, you know, when she told him she was going to give him this makeover, he said, mm-hmm. will the new me please you in ways that the old me could not? And mm-hmm. I was like, "Grew, honey, like, you have your own you must be this tallest. You deserve to be loved by someone who loves you right. for who you are.
1: Yeah. Like don't
0: yes. don't do that. And mm-hmm. and it made me wonder like what is Gru's actual name? Because the Gru right. is a title. Yes. It would be like us walking around calling Angel the champion. Like right. he's called Champ. Yeah, champ. Come on, champ. Hey champ. Come on. <laughs> but like Gru is a real person with a real identity. He doesn't
1: have an identity of his own. Yeah.
0: And he doesn't like yeah. fight for that for himself. And I want to, I want to make Gru love Gru so that he will, he will demand better because I think he's sweet, you know, but I think part of this is Cordelia does have this one very honest moment when she says, Mm -hmm. I'm tired of being lonely. Right. And so like, Mm -hmm. I can understand it because here's Gru who's crazy about her. She has Mm -hmm. feelings for Angel, but she's confused and she's been Mm -hmm. through hell. I mean, her life has been hard, and she wants to be reminded that she's loved and valued. She wants sex. She wants companionship. She wants love, and I Mm -hmm. get that, like, 100%. I get that, but even in the last episode, you know, she told Wesley, there was a time you thought I was the loveliest thing in the world, Mm -hmm. and I think she wants someone to feel that way about her, but... Like she also knows that Gru really has feelings for her. She knows mm-hmm. that Angel really has feelings for her, and yet she mm-hmm. acts like she's completely clueless. And it drives me crazy. I mean, I know to the point that when she's healing Gru's wound in his chest, yeah. she rips Angel's shirt, and Angel's like, "Look, obviously Angel had strong feelings about that shirt. He was he All was right. very upset when Gru borrowed it. He was very upset when it got torn yes. up." Um, mm-hmm. And then she looks over at Angel and she says, well, if it's any consolation, I was planning on ripping it off of him later anyway. Oh, my and I God. was like, no. no, no, she would not be that insensitive. Like, no, no. The women are not well written in these episodes. No, not at all. They're really not. Not, a, not yeah. even a little. And Angel covers up for Gru. You know, he tells Cordy, yeah, he was a hero. And then Gru corrects angel and tells her what really happens and she's just making googly eyes it grew like how many yeah. guys would just give away the credit like that and i'm like i can't even with this anymore like, oh shut up yeah i just don't. it was yeah. it's just bad when cordy is written badly yeah. i hate it yeah
1: that's what sucks like cordy when
0: she's written well is fantastic yep. but because
1: she's written so badly and this is a thing like every now and again i'll go off on a thing about how this is inconsistent with cordy and then people will be like oh well no there was this time and this time and this time and you know what fair enough it's it's that she's always inconsistent right it's that she's never inconsistent because she's always inconsistent nothing is within her character so everything is open you know yeah. and it it waters her down every time they do that And it drives me crazy because she's so great. She's so great. There's so so much great great stuff in Cordy. And we lose almost all of it by, you know, forcing her into these, like, weird spaces. I don't know. It's Yeah, it
0: drives me crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. But the thing I wanted to stake the most is birth control and the fucking patriarchy. Okay? Hallelujah, sister. Because, (laughs) like, I don't care what world we're in. The resources Mm -hmm. that you need for safe sex... Whether at Planned Parenthood, your doctor, your local demon brothel, I don't care. They should not be hard to find, difficult to access, or expensive. And this just pisses me off. Like, she basically has Mm -hmm. to take out her life savings to get the potion that she needs to have sex safely. Like, it infuriates me. The powers that be should provide health insurance for Cordelia to cover (laughs) all Uh, the damn medical expenses uh, uh, all those MRIs they're all vision induced they should you know right
1: right and I mean I understand like this is a very specific like there isn't a huge demand for people who want to have sex without losing their you know visions their other visions like it doesn't happen a lot but still still, we should be able to get this for her fairly easily inexpensively like this shouldn't be difficult
0: and the thing about sex education is like the more open we are about Mm -hmm. situations and and circumstances and resources the less likely anyone is to ever feel like they're the only person in that situation you know and Cordy Mm -hmm. even says like it finally dawned on me I can't be the only woman who's ever needed to have sex with some supernatural protection so maybe it's not always Mm -hmm. vision specific but there's probably something you know
1: fair enough
0: so I I I need this to change. It, <laughs> it mm-hmm. just pissed me off. Yeah, no, it's it's
1: just bad. Yeah, it's just yeah. bad.
0: And then I wondered, why can't Cordelia just go to the damn demon brothel and buy the potion herself? Why does she have yeah. to send Gru and then send Angel along? Because, now granted, I would not send Gru to Starbucks with my specific order because that's <laughs> just not his skill set. But <laughs> But she made it sound like she didn't trust him to be at the yeah. brothel. Well, of course she didn't trust him. And I'm like, if you can't trust the guy to go, like, is he accidentally going to have sex with somebody while he's there? And oh god no I just wouldn't trust him to get the right potion but that's not what I that wasn't the (laughs) sense I got like I think because no I think you're right I think
1: you're right but I'm like no I wouldn't trust him just to do it right but you're right she doesn't trust him because she thinks he's gonna just trip and fall into one of the you know because you can't trust men because men will just have sex they can't help themselves right this is the message that we constantly send societally which is terrible and insulting to men like oh I'm sorry are you gonna be around hot women well clearly you you can't be trusted right you know not that you're a bad person you just can't you know, help it sweetie. it's just that you're a man Aww. and you'll trip and your penis will fall right into right, her even. and it won't be your fault but it'll you know it's yeah. it's no I, I, hate oh, I
0: hate it so much And i'm like why can't she go yeah. herself even if it's a no humans allowed well cordelia's half demon damn it like it's yeah. a demon brothel exactly. walk in there There's sweetie no and place your arm she
1: can't do it exactly yes.
0: exactly it the Oh, it just pissed me off. Um, but then yeah. I saved a stake for the tree monster. Um, oh, not good. because I didn't like it. Like, there was actually mm-hmm. something really interesting about a tree version of the Matrix using people as batteries. Yes. But mm-hmm. the tree monster was more dangerous than the demon that they went to fight at the beginning. Right. And Gunn, Fred, and Gru, and Angel were all... T- <laughs> so basically, every member of yeah. her team who was not babysitting... Gets attacked Mm -hmm. by this tree. And Cordy has no vision whatsoever. There's no, there's no, like, what the
1: hell? The powers that be are unreliable AF. They are like a
0: bad cell service. Yes. Sometimes they work, sometimes 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 they don't. don't, And it never makes sense. It never makes sense. And speaking of cell service, how did Gunn and Fred have such great reception down there? (laughs) When Angel's cell phone doesn't work when he's like breaking into someone's (laughs) office in L.A.?
1: I don't, you know, know. yeah, and nope. I don't know. The only thing I think of is that something in the in the demon tree, like, has some kind of cell amplification system. So
0: the tree offers free Wi Fi to get people to come to it. Okay, I could buy that.
1: I I would, I would probably check that out.
0: Yeah, but no one knows about this tree monster. He's not in any books, scrolls, maps. Nothing. Nothing it's not like he's running around anywhere I, it didn't look like he's clearly been there a long it didn't time. look like a new tree like i think <laughs> yeah
1: didn't look like a new tree i don't know but then again it's a tree made of flesh which is something that's like we have this moment where angels like is it made of wood and they're <laughs> no. Like, no it's flesh and we're like all right then he can get staked for the heart yeah like
0: what the actual hell <laughs> It's a tree made of people parts. <laughs> it's a tree made of people parts. Okay. I don't know. I Whatever. I, whatever. Yeah. I like a little logic to my monsters of the week is what I'm a saying. Little bit, right. A little mm-hmm. bit. A little bit. And then my last stake was for the woman who came to Angel to investigate her fiance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because she's been engaged for eight years. Right. Not eight months. Eight years. That is longer than it takes to earn your doctorate degree. In fact, if it takes you eight years, you're out. So (laughs) I just want to sit her down and say, sweetie, Jerry doesn't want to get married. Like your problem here is not that he's seeing somebody else and cheating on you via email. Yeah. It's been eight years, baby. He's not going down that aisle.
1: He does not want to get married. (laughs) He's not going to marry you. What the Mm -hmm. hell?
0: What's up with that? I'm like,
1: I... I don't even know. And
0: it felt so random, like some mm-hmm. random client to go follow yeah. her fiance when we haven't done that in forever. Right. Mm-hmm. I found it very annoying. Yeah. Very annoying. But this episode did raise a couple of really good research questions for me. Ooh, good. Which what may be one of the reasons I liked it so much. hmm Okay. So I want to know, I want to understand what this show is saying about romantic love. Mm -hmm. Not love in general, but very specifically romantic love. Yeah. Because it seems that it makes people weaker. They get distracted. Mm -hmm. They get hurt. They're vulnerable. Romantic love seems to derail from purpose and mission, while Mm -hmm. platonic love seems to strengthen everyone. Right. Interesting. And we also have this no sex soul curse, which really isn't about sex, but is about romantic love. Mm-hmm. And so that feels like a theme, like yeah. don't fall in love in the Whedon verse. But why? Like, right. why is that kind of love a weakness when deep, solid love for your friends is a strength? Interesting question. No, I'm going to have to think about that. I don't
1: have a ready answer for that, but I think you're absolutely on to something. I mean, I think part of it comes from like a narrative place, right? Because mm-hmm. when, when we as viewers are white, we get very invested in these romantic relationships, you know, and if anybody is happy in a romantic relationship. Uh, then Whedon is going to kill one of you or split you up or something, right? (laughs) Right. That's That's going to happen. Like, you're never going to have a moment. Because that is, narratively, that is a way to make people miserable and making your characters miserable is how you tell good stories. (laughs) Like, that's just kind of like a classic thing. So I think part of it is that. But we do have this sense that, like, any happy romantic relationship, there aren't even, like, boring, happy romantic relationships kind of in the background. Right. You know? Yeah, Yeah. no, that's
0: interesting. And then I was thinking about it specifically in this episode, right? Mm -hmm. This is when Wesley starts looking for these prophecies. He starts trying to translate this stuff about Connor Mm -hmm. because he's throwing himself into work because his heart is broken. And so, like, would he not even have found that dark and twisty had he not Mm. been looking for it? And would he not? So, this is all Fred's
1: fault then?
0: No, but I'm just saying, like, it's romantic love. Like, love makes you dangerous or vulnerable in this world. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really curious as to why that is the case. I think textually, I can argue it is the case.
1: I think you absolutely can. I don't think that there's textual evidence on the other side of that at all, yeah. Um, yeah. because it is always dangerous and sad, and and it never ends well. <laughs> right, I've, right. Been, I've been possessed by dead lovers before. It never ends <laughs> never well. <right>? well. <laughs> um, romance yeah. never ends well in in the Whedon verse. That I can. I can, trying to think of an instance where people are just happy together and it just isn't the case like it just doesn't happen um so that is really interesting I'm going to keep an eye on that let's let's revisit that as we move through this because I think that's a really interesting question yeah and uh, and I kind of like
0: it yeah and like as a romantic who also loves the show Mm -hmm. I have to really question like yeah how can this be one of my favorites if that is (laughs) Their philosophy. I
1: don't know. Because it's the longing of falling in love, you know, but the actual being in love is boring.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> I don't, I hate that idea. In love and, the and all that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's So I don't know. It was just really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then my other question was about music. Um, yes. Because a couplet is a couple, right? But it's mm-hmm. also two lines of verse in the same meter and joined by a rhyme that form a unit. So that's the. Oh, I
1: thought a couplet was a very tiny couple. <laughs>
0: that you can put in your pocket <laughs> right yeah so that's the, the dictionary definition so it is actually right. a musical term right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um and sometimes it feels like there's a very strong connection between music and magic on the show yeah like I mean uh-huh. Lauren reading people when they sing in the karaoke mm-hmm. bar is sanctuary mm-hmm. um but music really signifies the shift in tone and tension and there's a musicality to some of the dialogue mm-hmm. um And the music in this particular story world always strikes me as beautiful, you know, with the the opening score, you know, Mm -hmm. going on. And so maybe I'm looking for a narrative connection that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a strong emotional connection for me between the music and the storyline and Angel. Yeah. And it got me thinking, what's the connection between music and choice, music and purpose, music and mission, music and Mm -hmm. meaning? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but I think it's fascinating. Yeah. And I wish that Angel played an instrument. Like, he has been alive for long enough. Yeah. It. And he's learned. I mean, we know he knows how to fish, for crying out right. loud. Like, did he not <laughs> sit down and take piano lessons? Because right. I would really love to see him play piano or violin or something. He could have turned a piano teacher at some
1: point. I. I you know? Right? They could have taught him forever. Yeah.
0: So that was it. That's
1: kind of my deep thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. No, I like it. I think it's all really good. I don't have any ready answers for any of it, but I think it's good.
0: Yeah. It was was really fun to watch. Um, And when I started brooding, I wondered maybe if couplet should have been a watcher because Mm -hmm. it's problematic in so many ways. Like, I think we were right not to make it a watcher. But so we're watching it. So you don't have to necessarily. Right. (laughs) Um, But you need to know that Cordy's out of town because she found a way to sleep with Gru without losing Mm -hmm. her vision entity. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you need to know that Wesley has translated part of this prophecy and learned that the father will kill the son. But you'll see that in future episodes. So if you skip this one, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Um, But it was one hell of a dark and twisty note to end on.
1: Yeah, I didn't think that just that one moment was really enough to make the whole episode worth it, especially because we're going to come back and revisit that, you know, pretty soon. So it is kind of one of those on-the-fence ones, Yeah. but it's it's not good.
0: No, it's not good. (laughs) All right, so Kelly, what is making you thirsty this week? Okay, so some of the moments with Angel and Cordelia were hot, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. And there's so much chemistry between the two of them. But at the end of the day, nothing is sexier than enthusiastic consent and mm-hmm. the magical hotspot like interfered with consent at some level. Yeah. So yeah. I am going with Gunn and Fred for Still Thirsty yes. this week. I like when Fred told Gunn, my God, you're so pretty. And, yeah. <laughs> and I like Gunn's kind of playful, all I ask is one last kiss, like his drama Aww. thing, because yeah. I would have kissed him too. Oh, sure. Well, everybody would have. Yes. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. <laughs> all right. So, Kelly, what is your favorite part? Okay. So, I had a really hard time picking one. Um, yeah? Because I loved the ballet episode and the callback mm-hmm. to Buffy with the I only have eyes for you episode. Yeah. And I love the excitement of the ballet and all that stuff. But there was actually this really funny line um, between mm-hmm. Angel and Cordelia when they were trying to decide how to get backstage. Yeah. And Angel said, I think I'm just going to go with my patented sudden burst of violence. And (laughs) instead, (laughs) Cordelia walked up to the security guard and just said, hey, do you like bribes? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it cracked me up. Yeah. So I think so much of that episode was my favorite part, but that just particularly delighted me. What about you? What was your
1: favorite part? Oh, God. Wesley in Waiting in the Wings. Um, His awesomeness with Cordelia. And later, at least in this episode, not acting like an angry brat about (laughs) Gunn and Fred. Um, You know, he's upset and disappointed, but he doesn't take it out on them. Until, of course, later in the next episode when he's a dick. But in that episode, (laughs) I like him. I thought he was really good. And of course, you know me. It's almost always going to be Wesley. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right, to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag #StillDead. For more in-depth discussion, visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on the forum, and join in the fun. Or you can support Chipperish media at the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord, where you can hang out with me and Kelly and all the Chipperish patrons who are going to go with their patented sudden burst of violence. Visit <laughs> patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more.
0: This episode of Still Dead was brought to you by Chipperish Media producer, Jonathan. Jonathan supports Chipperish Media at the power producer level, and as a reward, gets to borrow Angel's favorite broadsword. <laughs> thank you, Jonathan, and thank you to everyone who supports Chipperish Media and makes all this possible. Visit patreon.com chipperish to find out how you too can become a Still Dead producer.
1: You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That's one of the most effective ways to show support for your favorite podcasts. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. And to say thank you to all our rogue demon hunters who take time to write reviews, we turn to the Prophecy Scrolls. Kelly is writing these in reverse chronological order. So post your review and you'll hear your prophecy soon.
0: For Littera Rose... The powers that be are concerned about Angel Investigation's employee handbook, or lack thereof, and potential liability from office romances, love triangles, and the romance rhombus of doom. You have been called, dear one, to help Wesley take a break from prophecy translation and work on some good old HR policy. Beware of subcommittees, manic pixie dream girls, patriarchal bullshit, magical sexual hotspots, and dress code copycats. If the paperwork gets to be a pain, just holler sugar and we'll bring you a potion worth all of Cordy's cash, otherwise known as a sea breeze, to help you (laughs) relax while Lauren croons you a lullaby. (laughs) We will be back next time with episodes 15 and 16 of season three, Loyalty and Sleep Tight, both of which are watchers. Until then, the best action we can get is an invisible ghost who's good with a loofah.
1: that is still not sexy <laughs> so not sexy
0: <laughs> I mean no, maybe I'm... on your back
1: but on that's back, for like sure.
0: relaxation in a sexual <laughs> context no no, no.